Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. How's it going, everyone? Um, uh, yeah, it's a uh, pretty somber evening here in Edmonton. Um, sorry, I need to fix Dennis's window here. It got a little messed up in the live. There we go. It should be a lot. Should be better. Um, oh, yeah. Chat. Sorry, that was a little bit of a rocky start to the show. Obviously, it's been a tough day in Edmonton. Um, yeah, Dennis, here I'll let you. You take this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's a sad day up in Edmonton here. Edmonton here today. Um, it's just a, a brutal loss of life. Uh, obviously, our hearts go out over here at Game Over Edmonton to the EPS, Edmonton Police Service, uh, who lost Officer Travis Jordan and Officer Brett Ryan today. Um, it's a it's a rare occurrence. I think uh, it's something that strikes a lot uh, deeply into the heart of Edmontonians, and uh, we hope that the families and the community of Inglewood will uh, be able to bounce back soon and. Uh, it's been a sad, sad day, but let's talk some hockey because yeah. this this turned out to be a, a pretty good test. Um, Dallas is first in the Central Division. Obviously, going into this, we all knew that this might be a potential playoff series in the first round uh, or beyond. So, Zach, it, it was a, a good game by the Oilers. Overall, I think there were a couple of things that you maybe want to improve, but a clean performance by the entire team from top to bottom. Yeah, I just agree. I want to echo your sentiments. Very sad day. I want to wish my condolences to um, obviously Constable Brett Ryan, Constable Travis Jordan. Uh, yeah, really tough. But yeah, like you said, we got to make a hard right turn here because we're here to talk some hockey. And you know what? I'm very impressed with tonight's game. This is the type of game that... I think the Toronto game was an outlier. Like I said last game, that the Oilers aren't bad defensively. They've just been getting bad breaks, bad goaltending, whatnot. And they think this is another example of that. I thought, for the most part, well, I thought pretty much through this entire game, they gave Dallas nothing, almost no chances. There was never a point where Dallas was pushing really hard, where Dallas was getting chance after chance after chance. Dallas definitely got their tips early on. Skinner made some good saves when he had to. He definitely didn't have to do anything wild anything crazy i think the biggest save he made i don't know if he made the save and then deharnay cleared the puck away uh to go to mcdavid for the two nothing goal but i think that was probably the most part i thought they played as a cohesive unit i thought there were sticks and lanes they defended the entries uh, i thought i just this is just my eye so i thought they defended the entries from dallas phenomenally uh, i thought the defense stepped up when they had to uh, Dallas had a really tough time to me. It looked like breaking out, and I was really impressed. Every single person on the roster uh, played well defensively, and this is the type of game that you want against a really good team uh, in the playoffs who you might have to face, and you ran the show. I thought the Oilers through three periods were the better team. There was not one point where Dallas was the better team. Yeah, and it's clear when you look at, you know, Dallas is a team that 
typically likes to play a, a 3-2 games or, or less, they really exemplify themselves by clogging up the defensive zone, preventing chances. And Edmonton actually did that to the Stars in this game. Like for the majority of this game, minus one change that was a little bit dirty, like not the, the cleanest execution of a, of a line change. Edmonton just stuffed up the zone, stopped pucks from getting into the, the into the offensive zone for the Stars. Um, there were tons of chances, but they were all very low danger chances. Um, when the defenseman needed to get a, a stick in the lane to prevent a pass or to clear something from the blue paint, they did it pretty quickly. I really like the fight in front. Uh, Deharnay, he's kind of been on and off for the last couple of games, maybe nursing a little bit of an injury, but he played fantastic tonight had, like you said, that one sequence where he cleared away a puck that was just sitting right at the doorstep. Um, I think the other chance that really was notable for Dallas was one where Skinner was screened in front, essentially just a tiny sliver of window where he could see a shot coming and he got the blocker on it. Um, I, I can't remember who it was. It might've been Rupa Hints in front of him, but it was a big guy and Skinner was able to absolutely box out, collect where he wanted to be, cut off the angle of the puck, puck's entry and just cleanly blocker it away. So other than those two chances and one bad line change, Dallas had nothing really going for them offensively. The Oilers, they played a very interesting style of hockey tonight. It's It wasn't as run and gun as what we're maybe used to. Uh, it was a little bit more of a clean transition sort of game. Um, there were very clearly like a lot of times when they were debating carrying it in versus shooting it in. And it was a great balance of all the different styles. Zach, like, yeah, we scored four goals. Like, do you mm -hmm. want to go over them? I mean, I feel like, yeah, it, it, it feels like you're right. You're so right. Where we did score four goals, and that is like above the league average in goals scored per game. Like, this is still a very offensive game, yet it didn't have that excitement, that run and gun pace that an Oilers game normally has. You know, you're always. No matter whether if the Oilers are up 7-2 or 1-0, you're worried there is that chance that the other team could get back into it. Um, and I think lately that's been eliminated more often than not, especially tonight. Like, there was no point. The Oilers were tight. They were smothering Dallas on every opportunity. Um, I, I, I like to hate her. McDater pointed out in chat. He said, should have been a shutout, unfortunately, but the hockey gods pulled the, the middle finger to Stuart Skinner. And it's really unfortunate because I found myself as well when I was watching the game, checking the clock and making sure that Dallas still had no goals. I'm like, okay, 10 more minutes or 12 more minutes, 11 more minutes, and then unfortunately Dallas got one and I definitely felt my butt cheeks clench a little bit because that was a good goal and I think Wyatt Johnson or Jamie Ben were probably the two best forwards for the stars uh you like I think when you pointed out Dallas's chances you this is definitely a Joe Pavelski team because oh my god the high slot tips from this team are insane it seems like every shot that Dallas did get was getting tipped five six feet out from in front of the net and Skinner definitely had to be sharp I think this is kind of an underrated game from Skinner because he's not making those lateral giant saves where he's going cross crease and robbing some of the glove or the blocker it's more just being positionally sound where you have to be and not getting fooled by any of these tips that Dallas is throwing at you so despite Dallas not having a high quantity of shots 
Uh, they definitely were, I think, a little tougher just because of the nature in which the shots came from. Um, but again, like I said, again, though, um, when you actually look at the shot totals, and I had it pulled up here for a second, and I just lost it. Oh, yeah. So the Oilers in the first two periods outshot the Stars. The most of the... The shots, the stars' shots came like in the first two minutes in the first period. Then they had like two shots for the final eighteen minutes, and yeah, the Oilers just controlled the game. Uh, can we take a, a moment to uh, Joel and chat? Can we take a moment to really appreciate that Stu outbattled the Otter? And it's true, yeah. I, it's true. Yeah, like Jake Ottinger, make no mistake, he played really good. He is one of the best goalies in the NHL, like top five in save percentage, obviously. He is a phenomenal goaltender, and he definitely gives the Oilers a bit of trouble. But the difference is, if you can stay defensively sound, your forward core compared to Dallas's forward core, absolutely no match, right? And if you're just going shot for shot, you're a way better finishers. You're going to score more. And if you could shut them down, it's going to be no contest no matter who is in net for Dallas, right? You keep yeah. you limit their chances and this is this is the idea this is the recipe for success. And you could see that the chances that the Oilers scored on, they were all ones that you don't blame on Ottinger. Uh like the first one where the shot pass by Bouchard right to Nuge, beautiful Nuge with the calm just absolute god buddha patience to hold it for a quick second and then just a cross crease pass right to fogo for a tap in that was not something that ottinger could ever get you, yeah there's no way no chance on him well uh, that the... whole that whole play was started by a leon dry saddle entry right like dry saddle i thought tonight this is back-to-back vintage leon dry saddle games where he's flying he's physical you cannot get the puck off him he's like yammer yager in the corner where he just fends off everyone his big ass no defender the, can get the to back the puck. checking as well yeah like, he's he's hustling he's ramping like, it up dry saddle is skating like all the times in earlier in this season that we've said, you know, he's not getting back enough. Maybe he's still injured. Maybe there's something going on with his ankle. This is when he's just putting all of those rumors to bed because he is riding that thing hard. Like his legs are pumping. And when that happens, not only does it draw penalties, it, it allows him to get into position, win those board battles. Like you said, take up space. You got to get in the way before like, you can stop and hold a guy, right? Um, and, and maybe this is a product of the line mates too, but I thought Leon Dreisaitl's line was the best line on the Oilers again tonight, right? Like the, the McDavid line was the second line. Now again, Kane still is struggling with his passing. Yamamoto couldn't throw a beach ball into the ocean. But uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and especially Warren Fogle after these two games have been outstanding. Not only is Warren Fogle actually converting his chances uh, offensively, but to me what stands out is his, his neutral zone defense. Numerous times, numerous times in the first, second, third critical points in the game, there's a breakout pass coming from a Dallas Stars defenseman, and it ends up somehow right on the tape of Warren Fogle going the other way. His stick is always in the lane, and he's he's he excels at that. I, I I'm frankly shocked. This is it, it. It's not something that we expected or we seen from Warren Fogle prior. We've seen that he has those tools, but they were never utilized. It was always it, it all together, right? It was always one thing good here, one thing good here. He'd skate, he'd fall down, he'd have a good shot, this that, but it was never all collectively utilized and the last two games especially but i think over far before this these two game stretch he was starting to show all those tools coming together on the third and fourth line and now it's just exploded well and 
Vogel has been skating really hard. Like you said, he's always had that in his tool set. Maybe he doesn't have the hands of Connor McDavid, but when you just see the seven and he's speeding down the ice, it does look McDavid-esque in terms of his speed. Totally. But not only that, is he's very physical. He's able to win those board battles. When he was in front of the crease tonight, you know, kind of in that Hyman zone, it looked like Zach Hyman was still out on the ice. He mm-hmm. was able to get into the get into the blue paint when shots went wide he was smart enough to immediately go for them to make good cycle passes yeah there there's a a solid there's a solid like sine wave where if you mapped out warren fogel's like progress he always has these parts when it looks like he is a second line winger stick him a, like take yamamoto out and put him down further in the lineup put warren fogel in there every game and then he tends to fall back down a little bit, maybe doesn't have the best string games after that. So it, it's interesting to see if he can carry on uh, this level of production into the playoffs. If he does and Hyman comes well, back and is healthy, Yamamoto, if he regains that dog in him, that's that's going to be scary. Well, when the Oilers were on the, or when Warren Fogle was on the ice tonight for the Edmonton Oilers, they had 12 shots for, and Dallas only had three shots. And I just want to see, it's, yeah, and it's, uh, this is five on five, all strengths, and he played 15 minutes. So 15 minutes out of the game, the puck was pretty much not in your zone. That Warren Fogle, Leon Dreisaitl, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins line deserves to stay together now when Zach Hyman comes back, right? I think the odd man out in the top six is Kyler Yamamoto, right? There's just something to his game right now where he just does not have it, man. He not does finishing. not have it. I think it's more than that. I it was. I think this was a problem with Yamamoto before, but one thing that I'm starting to see a lot of again, it's, okay, he's getting the puck with speed, coming down the wing, enters the zone, and he can shoot it on net, get a rebound, he could drive the net, but I don't know if it's because he's just so much smaller than the defenseman he's facing but it, it's almost like clockwork you can time it he does that stop up cut back and look to for the defenseman right he he almost never drives the net with the puck he never gets the puck on net he's always looking for another play and it, it seems like he's a, a lot of the time on the perimeter right now the only chance that he did have uh in front of the net came off a mcdavid pass where he was you know super super sneaky got it there and he was so close to andre he didn't have enough time to raise the puck over Ottinger's pad and it, it was just a moot point but yeah Kyler Yamamoto to me is really struggling and I think Warren Fogel's play he like he's just been outplayed by Warren Fogel so when Hyman comes back I think yeah. Yamamoto's the odd man out and does Yamamoto even work in a bottom six role it it's tough because if you look at it and I want to highlight Riley in chat how's it going man uh little did we know that Fogel was going to be Holland's top six acquisition this trade deadline <laughs> it, it's looking we like got it, Kane right? we got Fogel oh my god Holland with the fleece. we're gonna have Hyman soon yeah Holland Holland acquired 30 million dollars in players um he acquired also- an unhurt Leon Dreisaitl yeah healthy yeah, yeah. a motivated <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl. exactly better word Going for Yamamoto's game as well, in terms of his size, like he was, he has shown in the past that it hasn't been a detriment. But if you look at how he's being put out right now, uh, he's put, he's being put out mostly on the offensive zone because when you have someone at, at his stature, it is just difficult to go up against, you know, someone on the stars blue line, who's like a Haskinen or a Lindell, like guys that will absolutely crush Yamo. It's hard for him in the defensive zone to get into that high area and take pucks away. So 
in these instances, it's really hard to put them on any line. Uh, if you put them in the third, fourth line, you clearly expect those guys to maybe have a balance, if not more defensive zone starts, just try not to get absolutely caged in and that sort of thing. It all depends on Yamamoto and his current condition. We've seen in the past, if he's healthy, if he's confident, Yamamoto has the hands to finish. He's able to get into those dirty areas. It doesn't matter if he ends up on his backside, he'll still try and get the puck to someone. It's, it's tough. Like we've seen what this player can do. It's just that right now he's not doing it and he's $3 million. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, before we continue on, I'm going to say there's 51 people watching right now. We only got 13 likes, so we're going to make our like goal 41 today. Uh, so there's one for one, easy enough. So you guys want to go ahead, hit that like button, and yeah, subscribe to SDPN. Keep coming back. We have a blast doing these breakdowns, especially on nights where the Oilers absolutely slam a playoff uh, a playoff team. Um, but yeah, another thing that I wanted to talk about, kind of right at the end of the second period, uh, the the first two calls that Edmonton got, I thought were really strange at least the two penalties the first one yeah. the interference on yamamoto i'm like okay the, i those penalties drive me nuts more than any other penalty in the game because we see that play happen to connor mcdavid 25 times every single time mcdavid is on the ice you can bet that there will be that much that amount of interference with him so if you're going to call that the others better spend 30 minutes out of the 60-minute game on the power play. Like, that is absolutely atrocious. Then the Brett Kulak one in the corner, too. I, I don't even know if that was holding. Like, I don't know what it was. It, it, just was, it was a hooking call, but it was him just kind of moving his it stick was around so to the weak. other side. It was so weak. The Oilers were up to nothing, and you could feel it. You, the first one, the Yamamoto one, I'm like, I literally, I was like, game management, it's coming. And then yeah. <laughs> they were looking for it. They were looking to call that penalty, and they called it, right? As soon as Dallas scored after, later in the game, the Oilers, Kane draws a penalty right after, right? Like, it's it was this was a bad case of game management for me. And there's a play that I want to get into, but I'll let you say something first. I mean, first, I, I, before we get into the third period's penalties, the second period, remember, there was a, a hooking call um against uh, on Derek Ryan right mm -hmm. Derek Ryan was going into the offensive zone and he was just held up at the line that one's pretty clear because he it's it's clear that his speed is impeded as he's going into the zone but right right after that was the Brett Kulak penalty and it's also a hooking call but it was literally just him moving his arm to the other side of uh, Fox's body mm -hmm. and that ended up being a call so it's it's really weak. I think both those uh, two calls in the second period were really weak, and then you have calls the other way, like Robertson's neon neon McDavid. That's got to get called. I'm surprised that no one went after him. Maybe well, yeah, Jason Robertson. That's what I want to get into. That was greasy as shit. Oh my god! I see no NHL player gets hit in the on knee more than Connor McDavid because he's so fast, right? Everyone's like, "Oh shit, I'm losing him," and it's just this last ditch attempt to block him with whatever part of your body you can. Obviously, the most the most length you have when you're in that position is your knee when you stick it out, and that's where you most of your like because you're where your center of gravity is. You have a lot of force push down he hits it he goes flying and he is furious ever since he got that in injury uh i can't remember a number of years ago now well, the, in the neon he hit Gi one? giordano injury exactly and he ha like i remember him getting hit neon knee before but now and it happens a, a lot i'd say probably five or six times a year Connor mcdavid gets hit neon knee not all as bad as that one but he gets 
furious after. Like, that was so, so, so greasy. I don't care if it was an accident. I don't care if that's an instinct. You could ruin someone's career doing that. That was atrocious. And I saw Dallas Stars fans freaking out. Oh, that's a, what a kind of penalty is that? They ran into each other. I'm like, okay, you are taking stupid pills. Stop watching Dallas Stars games and huffing glue. It's not safe. Stop. You can see Robertson extend the leg, right? If, yeah. if it's an incidental, if they're not looking at each other, then fine. Maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. If they're both puck watching and they happen to run into each other knee on knee, that's a different scenario. But this one was clear. You're right. Robertson got caught. McDavid, uh, he's gonna go for a break if you can't stop he him. He angles his so knee you, and sticks it up. You, you, you stick your leg out, and it's clear on the slow mo. It's clear from the referee's point of view. And you're right, McDavid goes flying, right? It's not a situation where it was an incidental penalty. This was one where it was very clear the intent. Um, you're right. Uh, later on in the third period, there was intent on the penalty on Kane. There was intent on the one where Devin Shore went down. This was a, a it's weird because this was a very physical game. There was a lot of hits. There was a lot of sort of gritty play, but it didn't feel like it was a chippy game. It didn't feel like anyone was going to start going at it. Well, but if this boils into a playoff series, well, you did that's see. Oh man, I can't even imagine because like someone who would piss me off in the playoffs is Jamie Ben because he also greasy as shit, and I do not. I'm not looking forward. But like again, it's you're playing the greasy Jamie Bens or you're playing Mikey Anderson who will you know suplex Drysaddle and break his leg, right? Like he's like a Corey Perry. Guy, there's just right? gre- there's, there's greasy guys all over the West, right? So yeah. and and the Oilers have some greasy guys of their own. Like I'm not gonna pretend, sit here and pretend that the Oilers don't have guys who are gonna go out and try and irritate and get under the other team's skin because that's obviously not the case but i not i do not want to play dallas in a playoff series dallas obviously lost again tonight we'll see what happens with vegas but as of right now i think the top wild card in the in the west would be playing uh vegas now because it, vegas is second it looks like calgary is up on vegas right now three to two it's a close one mm-hmm. um it probably we probably won't have the results of that until after the show but um another thing that it's important to note is Seattle's playing tonight against uh, Mm. San Jose. Obviously San Jose is not a good team, but they are tied zero zero. Yeah. And we have a lead on Seattle. The next game we play is against Seattle. That's a huge game. It'll be a huge game. Not only in terms of the, the points, but the, the standings right now, uh, there are three points, potentially one point difference. If Seattle wins tonight, so mm-hmm. whoever wins that game on Saturday is probably going to be in at the least third, third or second. second, depending on what happens. Because the Oilers still have two head-to-head games with the Kings. Like it's a lot of Pacific. The 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 standings yeah. are there is a, still a chance, especially Vegas loses. And the Oilers have two head-to-head games against Vegas. Uh, one thing Mickinator brings up in chat, he says the league needs to protect their star players, and that reminded me right off the. I think I believe it was right off the drop of the puck. There is a play where Max Domi is just going at Connor McDavid, slashing him, crossing him, and there's nothing right. So to see Another that guy—that's just Another guy who's so tricky. frustrating. He wants to get under your skin. You see McDavid not being able to draw anything, and then you just see phantom calls on Yamamoto, phantom calls on Kulak, right? <laughs> like Drysaddle punches through the. Two defenders on Dallas almost creates an all-man break, and he's getting held. He was getting held so much that Drysdale showed the ref exactly how hard he was getting held. Um, he, sl- he slides into the board, and you could just see because of the stoppage, he's smiling at a ref, going like, "You kidding me? Mm-hmm. Come on!" He oh. was grabbing my jersey. Like your star players are telling you, 
cut this game management shit out. Oh, right? I, just just call the rule book. That's all they want. Bane of my existence. It's against Dallas, and it's gonna change on 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 uh, Saturday. The Oilers, you're not gonna know what the refs are gonna call until they set the standard and whatever. We have tons of time to bitch about the refs when we get into playoffs because I'm <laughs> sure it is going to be very relevant. As, Always, you know, because of the Oilers and because they're such a strong power play team. Like the refs, they're gonna sit there and say, "Oh wow, the Oilers are up." Four three, they're getting hooked like crazy. We don't want to call up another power play because we don't want to be responsible for the Oilers scoring a power play goal and the game getting out of hand, even though the team's clearly cheating. So then they're allowed to just commit infractions against the Oilers, and it it ends up hurting the Oilers in the long run. So they need to be deadly uh, on the power play, and they're deadly five on five, like we saw today. I thought they were really good. Uh, another guy on the Oilers who I thought was flying. I know we talked about his two line mates, but we can't forget about Ryan Nugent Hopkins, right? Like Nugent Hopkins, uh, just another game, excellent four chances. I think he had a crossbar at one point. Uh, he's always around it. Got such an underrated release. Uh, this is the best year of his career. I thought he was flying tonight. He saw defensively and yeah, no, I thought Ryan Dijon Hopkins played fantastic. Is there any, uh, let's, let's, you know what, let's, who did you think had a really good game tonight? Well, it's a little bit of an understatement, but man, Ekholm is just so good. Like it's been a while since we've gone 11 and seven, but Mm-hmm. Ekholm, not not just from a defensively minded position, but the fact that he is being paired with Bouchard, he's being paired with Broberg, and you can see, like in tonight's game, Bouchard wasn't perfect. He's a relatively like high event hockey sort of guy, right? He'll make a lot of passes that are tight. He'll make a lot of passes that just are absolutely beautiful in deep into the forward zone, but. He also has a couple where he might flub it, have pucks that are picked off. And having Ekholm there, just with the the state of mind to say, okay, if this happens, if that player picks off the puck, I can immediately approach here, cut him off, get my stick in the lane so he can't get a shot off right away. Like All of these things allow a player like Bouchard or a player like Broberg, who Let's face it, hasn't played in a long time, so maybe has a little bit of rust. <laughs> well, yeah, and he only played nine minutes today. That was another thing. I saw it. The, the, I thought the usage of uh, Philip Broberg was really strange. Was weird. Yeah. He didn't get a lot of ice time, but when he was out there, he was mostly paired with Ekholm, it seems like. Um, there was a lot of times when... You could see that instead of sneaking into a different area, maybe across uh, like a, an east-west situation so that he can give Broberg an option, Ekholm stayed a little bit closer so that if a, mis- a mistake was made, he could get in there and prevent a scoring chance. So it's fantastic. Like the the small, subtle things that don't appear on the box score is just something that's amazing um, in Ekholm. And yeah. I, I'm... So happy that this is who we picked up at the oh, trade deadline. He has been fantastic. He, I think he had like one shaky-ish play in the first period. And I was like, oh, that's the first time you've ever seen Matias Ekholm bobble the puck as an oil. Like, he has yeah. been so impressive. I thought even tonight, 
just an absolute stalwart. You want him out there in every situation where Dallas might put on the pressure. He's been, he's an expert at getting the puck out. He skates better than we thought. He's way better offensive than we thought. Like he has a chance at creating stuff at the blue line. He's a lot better than I thought. And I was pretty high on Matias Ekholm coming in. Uh, I want to say Mickinator in chat says Bouchard needs to work on his hockey IQ. Vehemently disagree. I thought Bouchard was fantastic. I thought the reads and the skating and the poise that Bouchard's shown with the puck um, has been phenomenal this year like i think and it's been highlighted since barry's been gone just because he's had that elevation in ice time i think every time you think that bouchard's under pressure or someone's gonna clamp down on him he just evades them with his skating he just holds onto the puck for an extra second when you're like what are you doing make the pass and all of a sudden the pressure just completely clears up in the seas part and he just has a clear lane to make an even better breakout pass i think the way he skates with the puck is fantastic the chances he can create with a shot in the offensive zone the way he holds the puck in on the power play he's an expert he's way better than Tyson Berry ever was at keeping the play alive on the blue line on the power play and I think one of the things that have some people have put as a knock against Bouchard is that calm factor to him right he isn't a guy that's going to get flustered make mistakes he's a guy that knows what he has to do and he's willing to take a risk sometimes he isn't able to make the play perfectly and that results in a puck getting picked off or turned over but he knows that that's a possibility so even when he has that happen to him if someone picks a puck off of him he is in position to immediately go back into defending so i i disagree as well i think his hockey iq is fine i think it's It's great (laughs) yeah it's a part of having an extra layer of support behind him um which is that's the safety net yeah, Ekholm is great this year. Last year, I mean, Duncan Keith did a good enough job of that. Um, it's clear that when you have a young player like like Bouchard, he's going to take steps. But you just you don't want that pressure mounting on top of him to make the perfect play every time. Well, you want that freedom for him to go. Hey, even if I mess this up we're still fine. We're not going to immediately have a goal against. Yeah, well, I think that poise that he does show with the puck in his own defensive zone, 97% of the time gets him out of trouble and 97, 99% of the time he makes the right play. You are, no matter who you are, you could be, who's who's going to win the Norris this year? Eric Carlson? Probably. Even Eric Carlson makes bad passes sometimes that end up in yeah. giveaways like like Bouchard had against Toronto, which I know is the one that everyone is going to go and point to. Like, it, it, it's, it's going to happen when you have the puck that much, too. At like You know McDavid and Drassel are both like top 10 in the NHL in giveaways, right? Because they have yeah. the puck so much it's always on their stick that they're bound to give up possession at some point like the same with evan bouchard yeah 99 percent of the time he's gonna make the right play but because he has the puck so much stuff happens hockey's a fast game he'll make one mistake but i would take that one mistake if it means 20 more times he's gonna get the puck out flawlessly exactly it's it's that human mentality where you know you look at it and you say oh it sticks in the mind that one mistake that they made but the 13 14 great passes great zone exits you you tend to lump those together as one entity right um i completely agree like offensive offensively bouchard is the best on this team at making that breakout pass oh yeah when he's when he's on power play one amazing job like he held the zone a couple of times during today's power plays um 
he's also getting familiar with his shot again, that sort of seeing eye shot where it's able to get past guys, at least past the first guy and create a rebound chance or something like that. Uh, I'd, I'd love if he could get his confidence up and score a couple, especially going into the playoffs, but he's been doing great after the addition of Ekholm. I I'm happy that Brobert got in at all tonight. Uh, my concern now going forward is if Hyman's coming back, are they going to go back to 12 and it, six? It's very interesting. Not only do they have Hyman coming back, so they're 11 and seven right now. They have three forwards who were on this team at the start of the year that will have to come back. I think are on this, uh, this team's lineup in game one of the playoffs. It's Zach Hyman. It's Ryan McLeod. And it's Dylan Holloway, who we've kind of all forgotten about, but he was coming on right at the time he got sent down. And like, let's not forget, that was solely because of the cap, right? Like he wasn't sent down for any other reason. So we're getting to the point where, okay, so you can take out Philip Broberg just because he's the odd man out just in terms of handedness if you want to go three lefties, three righties, and let's just for argument's sake take Philip Broberg out. You can put in Zach Hyman, but then you have the issue of, okay, well, who are you taking out for Ryan McLeod and who are you taking out for Dylan Holloway? I feel like Devin Shore, even though he's been putting out the points, is the odd man out when it comes to bringing back in Ryan McLeod. And then it gets a little tougher. Are you bringing out Clem Cawson? It depends who you're playing, what kind of matchup you want, what kind of thing you're going for. I think no matter what, there is going to be a good player sitting out for the Oilers, but I think Hyman, McLeod, and uh, Hyman, McLeod, and Holloway are all Holloway. three players that need to be in the lineup game one. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I think it all depends on Holloway's condition. We haven't had any updates. As Mickinator said, uh, he's not quite ready to come back. It looks like he's he was supposed to be out for a month. Of course, there's going to be a little bit of rehab on top of that. I hope it's nothing major, a little bit of strength training, and then he's back on it. Um, the other thing you have to think about is the number of recalls that the Oilers have remaining, right? Um, I, I don't think they can call up anyone. I don't, I don't think they have the cap space for it. Well, even even when we get to that uh, stage, if you could in the, maneuver the cap, send someone in, in down. The, in the playoffs? So the way... It, no, in the playoffs, it's it's Yeah, fine, no but cap. Like, if you're trying to warm... Yeah, no cap. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's When you're trying to warm up a guy, I think Holloway's going to get a couple of games in the A first. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Back up to speed. Uh, maybe you'll wait until the playoffs to bring him back up. I but think so. There's a, a chance where... If you're down to the final game, two games of the season, then maybe you want to get him up here so he has a couple of games with um, an established line. Right now, it is tough. Like Yamamoto, maybe you want to have him go down a little bit or or sit out a little bit. Oh, that'd be tough. Um, It'd be tough on his confidence for sure, but if you're making a playoff push, you got to play. Oh, I get it, and I'm in favor of it, but I do think that that's a tough thing to make at this point in the season with the injuries that he's had. Like, I think, like it or not, with Kyler Yamamoto, I think, and, and I agree, he's struggled mightily. I do not think he's played well in any sense, but... I don't know if you can healthy scratch him at this point in the season. I think you healthy scratch Clem Cawson or Devin Shore. You don't... I think you healthy scratch him. Like, we don't know what Yamamoto is like, you know, mentally. Like, it could shatter him even worse than he is. He he, he might be the type of person that, no, it's a challenge and I'm going to come back. But is it worth the risk for Jay Woodcroft to play these type of games when realistically... And I see why Kyle says pull out Yanmark. With all... 
Yamark had two goals today. <laughs> yeah, Yamark Yamark is an enigma, right? Mm-hmm. It's he has teams where he will absolutely light the lamp. He has chances where he will bury it. And then there's also a ton of times when he doesn't look like he's doing a whole lot. He's out on the ice. He's just kind of circling around, not really into a board battle. Uh, I don't know. Yanmark is probably in the lineup just for penalty kill reasons. So it's it's tough to take him out. Um, but either way, someone's got to go. Hyman's got to come in for sure. And Holloway, Wait, I think you'll... Holloway will. Holloway, you'll want him to get some experience as well. I think Holloway, so, at this point in time, even injured, like Holloway, what he showed before he got injured was better than what Kyler Yamamoto is giving you right now. And I know right they now. play opposite wings, but in the playoffs, it's just who's going to give me the best chance to win. I don't care about anything else. And I know I kind of gave the argument to keep him in the lineup, but... Shaden in the chat says, I'd press box Yamamoto next game. I truly think he's our 11th or 12th best forward. Yeah, I I, I agree. Like, I, I can I can see that. And Mickinator says, so how long do we give Kane to get back to normal? Am I concerned that we may not have last year's playoff Kane playing the same way in last year's playoffs? Uh, I'm not sure we said this on the last show, I, or we said this after, because I believe we had this conversation. But last year in the playoffs, you got exceptional play from Drysdale McDavid, right? But you also had almost a goal per game from Zach Hyman and Evander Kane, right? Now, they Hyman's definitely slowed down. We talked about that last show in this production, but he's sitting out and we'll see what happens when he comes back. And Kane has had his wrist injured and he's had broken ribs and he's working himself back. Guy can't make a pass right now. Uh, I know he's kind, he, he's the type of guy that needs to get on a shooting percentage bender, essentially. Right. Like, that's what we're waiting for. We just need Evander Kane to start getting lucky. Um, because yeah, he definitely is struggling. I think because of McDavid playing with a struggling Kane and a Yamamoto, that's bringing down McDavid a little bit. And that's where the dry side of the line is kind of elevated above that. And McDavid is also getting like, he's, he's getting targeted a lot more, Mm -hmm. right? You notice in these games when it starts to get down to it, Ottawa played McDavid hard. The stars tonight played, played McDavid really, really hard. They're basically climbing on top. Yeah. So it's it's tough when you have all that pressure on you and like you said your line mates aren't producing as much but that's that's the hidden blessing in disguise right we've been talking for the last 10 minutes about who would we healthy scratch who's coming up the oilers fans we haven't had this problem for such a long time we have so much depth on this team we don't know who is definitively our best forwards Mm -hmm. so Part of it is, is of course, it's entertainment. It's part of the show. But this is actually a fantastic situation for Woodcroft to be in. You hope he makes the right pick at the right time. If it's going to be a physical series, Costin's a lock. He, he lives for these type of games. Like tonight, very physical game. Costin he dropped his gloves really well. right at the end. It was still a little yeah. confusing what happened. Devin Shore kind of got picked. Uh, we're gonna, we'll, we'll continue on for like five more minutes, but I just want to say they got 61 people watching now, 25 likes. Our like goal tonight's 41, so if you guys want to pump that up, try and get, I think, what is it, 16? No, uh, 20. No, 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 no. Yeah, like 16 more likes, something like that. Bad math. I'm exhausted. Late game. <laughs> I got work tomorrow, but no, it's it, fun it to be here. It has been a, a, a very tiring day mm-hmm. um, in oil country today. Let's but, yeah, or yeah, let's yeah. start wrapping up. Let's um, let hold on, later, let's do this. Let's let everyone hit that like button to wrap it up. Our last thing we got to talk about. I know we did a last show, but I want to do it every show uh, before we go. Connor McDavid now has 57 goals and 131 points in 69 games. Very nice. Oh man, when he got that McGoal, 
I was so hyped. I jumped off my couch. I thought he got the assist right before on that Evander Kane play, but Kane hit the post, right? Got to get on that yeah. bender. We need that luck a little bit more. But just if it goes posting in versus posting out. Yeah, exactly. McDavid gets the goal, and it's such a timely goal, such an important goal. You shut down Dallas's hopes of coming back in that game. You could see McDavid was gassed up from that celebration. The best offensive player I've ever watched in my life. I'm going to keep saying that every show. Um, what it, What else is there to say? 131 points in 69 games. I remember watching the Oilers. I remember watching the Oilers, and I believe it was 2013. I want to say 20. I it was 2013-14. I believe. Yeah, 2013-14 when Taylor Hall was climbing up, was in that scoring title race, and he was. I want to say he finished like 10th or something. And I'm like, oh man, how crazy would it be if Taylor Hall could be a point per game player? And I was literally checking the TSN stats after every game, and Taylor, I believe he had like 80 points or something in 82 games or 70. Yeah, he and I thought that was like peak offensive player like i was like oh my god i can't imagine any team without taylor hall it's so crazy what a what a great player and then to go from you know tall and what whatever that was to this knows like connor mcdavid is on an absolute world beating run right now and it's scary to think in two or three years there might be another world beater connor in the nhl right no (laughs) no let's let's see because this is in the end, we're all Oilers fans here, but entertain hockey is about entertainment. So I'm an Oilers in, fan first, second, third. I, I'm an Oilers fan first, second, third. I believe, okay, look at this. We'll talk about this quickly before we go. But the expectations Connor McDavid had coming in from junior, he was compared to players like Sidney Crosby, obviously, and people were very high on Connor McDavid. He was a generational talent once in every 10 years, people said at the time. Connor McDavid has so greatly blown both dry settle McDavid have, but McDavid or well, both of them have in particular, and I can talk about dry settle after, but McDavid has blown his draft expectations out of the water. No one in their right minds saw this coming. I want, you know what's a fun exercise? Go back and look at people's draft predictions of a Connor McDavid. They were worried. There were some people generally worried. Would his offense transition from junior to the NHL? Would his would he be able to play this speed game in the NHL? Would he have that same time and space? Would he be able to create it? Go and read scouting reports. It's really interesting. Not everyone was that high on McDavid. And no one, no one, no one saw these 100 back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back 100-point seasons, this 130 point season no one saw this think about it this is something where no one has ever thought even in mcdavid's first year second year third year no one thought Connor mcdavid would be on the levels of 66 and 99 yeah right? and that, that's it he is he is and there's a, definitely an argument to be made yeah. that he is better than 66 and 99 yeah because he's doing it in a totally different era so there's a lot of discussion going on, and and this is part of the fun of being a hockey fan, yes. right? This is why we watch the drafts. This is why we watch CHL games because, man, sometimes they are a little bit more fun than NHL games when you have some young guys and, who don't really know how to yeah. play defense well. And Bedard could come in and be that generational player, but I think it is almost unfair to Connor Bedard to come in and put the expectations that he is going to be a 130-point guy. Like, yeah. 
that's just unfair to the kid. Like, let's it's, let him come in the NHL and let's see what he is. If he's an Austin Matthews level player in that in that range, and that and Nathan McKinnon and Nathan McKinnon came on a little bit later than Austin Matthews, but 18 years old, if Connor Bedard's a point per game, that's that's fantastic. But that's player. still Not. exactly like we won't know in four until four or five years from now, and we'll see. There's like again, McDavid is like the and the history of the millions of people to have ever put on skates. There is an, a legitimate argument that only two, two individuals in this entire universe are better than Connor McDavid. Only two, and it's not even a one hundred percent confirmed, guaranteed argument. You could say he is the best. So to have sit here every three, four years and say Bedard's gonna be this, Bedard's gonna be that, just let him. Be Bedard, and we'll see where it goes. But just you, you can't you you can't say he's going to be better than McDavid until it actually don't, happens. Don't put too much pressure on the kid. We know where that leads, but yeah, it it's fun. This is why hockey is a fun yeah. sport. It's the fastest sport around. If if Connor Bedard ends up actually making a run and try and challenges Connor, that's amazing. If he turns out to be a star like like a McKinnon, like a Crosby, like Novechkin. That's fine as well. If he turns out to be a guy who just turns into like a Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a very responsible two-way player, mm-hmm. like well, hey. okay, well, I, I can sit here and confidently say he's gonna be better than Ryan Nugent Hopkins, even though as much as that pains me. But year of news, one thing I will say, and I know we've gone over this, Connor Bedard doesn't have the same game as Connor McDavid whatsoever. Yeah. No one has that same game. As Connor McDavid, it's he's a unicorn, an absolute unicorn. No one does it with the speed and the pace and the finesse of McDavid. M- M- Bedard is way more like a Crosby and a Matthews with his puck possession and the way he protects and shoots. And he's fast. He's an elite. He's an explosive skater. But his top end, it's not that rush, that off the rush speed and scoring that you get from McDavid. They're very different players. He's way more Crosby to me than he is McDavid. You know what? Time will tell. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's the fun part. That's why we love hockey. Hey, Zach, do you mind if I do uh, two quick stick taps before we go? Sure. Uh, first one is I wanted to shout out to the University of Alberta NBA, NBA alumni event. Uh, I was at there earlier in this afternoon. Thank you so much for having us, and it was a, a fun time. And the second one, Slater Cuckoo yesterday came mm. out with some of the the battles that he's been facing with anxiety, you know, weight loss, being unable to eat, that takes a lot of courage. And I want to give him a stick tap to say, hey, you know what? Hearts out to you. Doesn't it's not a hard, it's not an easy decision, you know, quitting hockey for the sake of your own physical health. That's that's a tough decision to make. And uh just all the love to you. Hopefully you're you're feeling better. Hopefully you're able to work on that mental side and uh you're all, you're an oiler for life. Once once an oiler, always an oiler. Well well said, Dennis. Well said, Dennis. I'm gonna give a stick tap too. I'm gonna give a quick stick tap to the people that sent me this shirt because it's it's freaking sick and I love this shirt. And you know, I gotta I'm gonna start repping the other stuff harder because playoffs are coming along and I know a lot of fake people are hockey fans i'm a hockey fan but before i'm a hockey fan i'm an oilers fan that's the thing that's that's how i roll i'm not you'll never catch me on the couch watching a columbus florida game i genuinely could not care less but being being in calgary that might be the only playoff action you guys get down there hell if i care honestly it's better i'm the i'm such a negative nancy when it comes to playoffs in calgary oh man i'd rock a car flag here i got an oilers license plate uh let's go but yeah that'll be all from us tonight the oilers beat the stars 
by a score of four to one. You guys want to go ahead, hit that like button one more time. I hope when I check back tomorrow, we hit that like goal of 41. It'll be Saturday. I believe the game is it's at two o'clock. It's an afternoon game. So if you're joining us here, it'll be Avery hosting. So come say hi, chop it up with him. Uh, he's going to have a fantastic show. Uh, and it's a super important divisional game. But until then, uh, until then, and I see MGD says I'm working to rep more SDPN merch. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Go to SDPN.com slash shop, I believe is the link. SDPNshop.ca. Yeah, SDPNshop.ca. Don't plug merch like me. That is not SDPN. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, until... Tattoo it on your on your forearms, Zach. That's I, I, I will. School. I will, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Until then, uh, that's all from us. Uh, it's all from me. Dennis, where can they find you? On Twitter, Dennis Lee Y E G. And Zach, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at ZWheel97 on Twitter. Uh, take care for now and let's play La Bamba, play La Bamba baby. baby. Good night.